You'll stand with me all over the house. Ten verses of Scripture. Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning with verse 1. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Ezekiel said, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his Spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, Prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I will put tendons on you and make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, Ezekiel said, as I had been commanded. When I was prophesying, there was a noise. As they sang about this morning, a rattling sound. And the bones came together. Say together. Bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breathe. Come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them. And they came to life and stood on their feet a vast army. I want to preach to you this morning for a few moments. Come together and come alive. Come together and come alive. If you will, one more time, stretch your hands toward heaven. Pray with me and for me. Jesus, thank you for your word. God, I need you again in this service today to decrease me until I'm nothing. I feel like the Apostle Paul. I'm a worm and no man, but God, I need your anointing to deliver this word today. So move me out of the way. Let your spirit be increased within me. Anoint every ear of every person seated in person in this building and listening online today. Anoint their ears to hear your word and their hearts to receive your word. And God, before we leave this place today, I ask you, let the church of the living God, let the people of God come together and come alive. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, give the Lord a big hand clap of praise and then you can be seated. Amen. Thank you, Nicholas. First, I want us to take a look at the particulars of this vision today. The prophet Ezekiel um, was the prophet and the priest of ancient Israel at the time of the destruction of the first temple. He To say that the air of his day was discouraging and depressing is an understatement. He was the prophet to ancient Israel at the time of the destruction of the first temple. And we find in this passage of Scripture that he was carried out by the Spirit. Say, by the Spirit. And he was shown a vision. Say, vision of dead, dry bones scattered in the valley. Is there anybody else in the house this morning that believes you can still have visions by the Spirit? God still shows us things by the Spirit. But in this vision, 
He sees the circumstances as they are of all of these bones that are scattered, these dead dry bones that are scattered across the valley. But he also witnesses a glorious resurrection from death to life. This was, you've got to remember, this was Old Testament. This was uh, pre uh, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. So there had been uh, no resurrection of death to life uh, at this time. It was a thing that was so utterly unknown and unheard of in the natural, but he witnesses it take place in the Spirit. And something that absolutely no other force on earth has the power to do except the Word of the Lord. So in this vision, Ezekiel witnesses firsthand the life-giving combination of the principle, that's what we're going to talk about today, the principle, which is the Word, and the power, which is the Spirit. Can I tell you today, he witnessed the life-giving power of the principle, which is the Word of God, combined with the power, which is the Spirit of God. Can I tell you this morning that we must have both? Does anybody agree? We must have both. And when the church of today becomes strategic in our emphasis of the principle, which is the Word, and the power, which is the Spirit, we too will witness firsthand a manifestation of life-giving power. And it is my prayer that by the end of this message today that the people of God will come together. Whether you're watching online and you don't even belong to this church or whether you are here and just took membership today, it is my prayer that the people of God will come together and be stirred and be resurrected, if you will, experience the renewed life that only comes by the Word and through the Spirit of God. Amen. So first, let's take a look at the particulars of this vision. The prophet Ezekiel was made, he was forced to take an exact view of the deplorable condition of all of these dry bones, these dead bones. And it was by a prophetic impulse and a divine power, the Spirit of God, that he was carried, if you will, in a vision, he was carried and set down in the midst of a valley of dry bones where God began to talk with him. Because sometimes God has to allow us to experience the valley so that he can teach us some things. And in this valley, it was full of bones, dead men's bones. And they were not piled up in a heap or in a charnel house, which was a vault or a building in that time that was used for storing skeletal remains, but those bones were scattered all upon the face of the ground as if some major battle had been fought here in that valley, and as if all of those remains, those people had been completely destructed, torn apart, 
disassembled and left to decay and to die. Now, most Bible theologians think that this was the valley of Kidron. It doesn't really matter what valley that it was, but this is an indication that there was a major battle that had been fought here. And the slain were left unburied until all of their flesh was decayed or devoured and there was nothing left but bones which were disjointed from one another. I'm going to go somewhere this morning and scattered. And so the Bible says that Elijah walked around them, said the Lord took him out around them, and he observed that not only were there very many bones, because can I tell you this morning, we're living in a day where the multitudes have gone to the congregation of the dead. Multitudes have gone to the congregation of the dead. The Bible says not only were there very many, but lo, They were very dry because they had been long exposed to the elements, to the sun, and to the wind. And it was hot and it was dry in that valley. And the Bible teaches us in Job 21 and 24 that it is our marrow that moistens our bones. And that after our bones have been dead for any amount of time, they begin to lose that moisture. They begin to lose that nourishment. They begin to lose that marrow. And before you know it, they are as dry as dust. I like the way one preacher said it. Have you ever been in a service that was as dry as cracker juice? Hello, somebody. Anybody ever been in one of those services? I don't know about you, but that doesn't do anything for me. I'm way past the dry and dead, desolate services. i got to have something that gets right down in the marrow of my bones, that nourishes my marrow, that moisturizes my bones, that puts life and rejuvenates and refreshes me. And it's only by the Spirit of God that that will happen. And so the Jews in Babylon were like, those dead dry bones that's really what this vision is kind of a picture of and it was unlikely that the Jewish nation that Israel would ever come together again so much to even be a skeleton and less likely to be formed into an entire body and even more unlikely uh, to become a living body does that sound familiar to anybody this morning the worldwide church I'm not just talking about Freedom Point Church. I'm talking about the worldwide church. We're a part of something greater than ourselves. Hello, somebody. But the worldwide church today, if you've not noticed, is united on very few fronts. We disagree on more than we agree on. We've gone way beyond denominational lines And all of those things, there are innumerable isms and schisms that divide us far more than we can find any common ground. And it's if you look at the church today, it seems like it's not very likely that we'll come together enough to even form a skeleton, let alone an entire body. But definitely, it looks like not a living body. That gives life-giving power. But I want you to notice something about these bones that lie unburied in this valley. Because you see, that was encouraging because 
that signifies the hope of their resurrection. Because in that day and in that time, when something died, you buried it. Or you put it in a charnel house, and it was the doors was closed on it. And it was in a pile with the rest of those in there. Or, or they were thrown in graves in piles together and buried. The Bible teaches in, his, in Ezekiel, the same book, chapter 39, that the bones of Gog and Magog shall be buried. You know, when David killed Goliath, they buried his skull on the top of Galgotha's hill. That's where his skull was buried. When something died, they buried it. But I want you to notice these bones that represented Israel that represents the church today were lying scattered and disjointed and dry but they were open in the valley. They were under the eye of heaven. They were not buried because there was hope in their end. Can I tell some of you today, you need to stop burying what God has said He's not finished with yet. Hello somebody. You don't need to bury it until God says He's done with it. Just like the just like uh, the Scripture says there's hope for a tree if it cuts down, if it gets cut down, if it gets just the scent of water, its roots will reach forth and grab hold of that water and obtain that nourishment and it will spring back to life. Can I tell you it doesn't matter this morning how dry it looks it doesn't matter this morning how disjointed it looks it doesn't matter this morning how lifeless and dead it looks if the spirit of God were to breathe upon it it'll put marrow back in the bones and it'll raise up a mighty army that will do effective work for the kingdom He was made, Ezekiel was made to own their lifelessness and not to be helped by any power less than that of God himself. So we hear the Lord say to him, Son of man, can these bones live? Is it likely? Can you figure out how to bring them back to life? I ask you, can philosophy and mere ideology of the church put life into dead dry bones? No. I ask you, can political correctedness in the church put life back into dead, dry bones? No. Only the Spirit of God can put life back into dead, dry bones. The prophet says, I don't know, but you do. Uh, Notice he doesn't say, oh, look at them. They can't live. It can't be done. I like the picture instead of the scripture, but I like the word too. But anyway, look at those, look at those bones. They can't live. It can't be done. They're they're scattered. They're disjointed. They can't. He says, Son of man, can these bones live? Notice he didn't say no. No, they can't, it can't be done. You know why? He's careful not to limit God. <laughs> because sometimes, even though it may look like that. You're not serving a God of the impossible. You're serving a God of the possible. So no matter what the doctor says, no matter what the financial situation might look like, no matter how far it looks like the prodigal, I'm going to get ahead of myself, in your family has gone, no matter how dead, no matter how dry, no matter how desolate, don't you limit God because just one breath of His Spirit will spring life back into them 
again. And he says, Lord, you know whether they can or whether they will. But if you don't put life into them, it's certain they cannot live. See, the God that you serve this morning is perfectly acquainted with his own power and his own purposes. And he will sometimes have us in a situation where we have to recognize, listen to your pastor this morning, that his power is not affected by our circumstances. His power is never affected by our circumstances. So it's time that we stop limiting God on what we see and what we feel. It's time that we stop speaking death. Stop speaking defeat. Stop speaking destruction. And it's time that we start speaking life. Start speaking victory. And start speaking restoration. You see, what brought these scattered bones together and these dead and dry bones to life was the word spoken in the Spirit. Listen to me. The word spoken in the Spirit. Prophecy. What does that, you know, that's a word that sometimes scares people. What does prophesy mean? Here's what Merriam-Webster has to say about prophesy. He says it means to utter by divine inspiration. What is the Word of God? What did the Word say about the Word of God? It said that it was, it, it was written as holy men of old were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. It was divinely inspired to utter by divine inspiration. Watch this. To predict with assurance on the basis of knowledge. So to prophesy means to utter by divine inspiration. To predict with assurance on the basis of knowledge. Do you want to know one of the things that's wrong with the church world today? We don't know enough. We don't have enough knowledge of the Word of God to have the assurance that we need to prophesy. Did you hear me? We don't have enough knowledge of the Word of God to have the assurance that we need to prophesy. But when you know what the Word says, you can prophesy, you can utter by divine inspiration to predict with assurance on the basis of what you know. And if I know anything this morning, I know that the Word of God is true. I know that the promises of God are yes and amen. I know that God is not a man that He should lie. If He wrote it in this book, you can take it to the bank. He won't mislead you. If he made you a promise, it's to you, it's to your children, and to your children's children. You can stand upon his word. And Ezekiel was ordered to prophesy unto these bones and prophesy to the wind. So he prophesied, the word said, as he was commanded. He must preach and he must speak the word in the spirit. And he did so. And when he did, the dead bones came back to life by the power that was generated by the Word of God that was spoken through the Spirit. Did you hear me? So today, maybe life seems difficult for you. Maybe this trial 
is draining the life out of you. I say to you, prophesy. Romans 8 and 28. We know all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. So maybe the job situation is not good and or the financial struggle is very real. I say to you this morning, prophesy Deuteronomy 28 12 and 13 the Lord will open for you his abundant storehouse to give your land rain in its season and to bless all the work of your hands you will lend to many nations watch this but you will not borrow the Lord will make you the head and not the tail you will only move upward and never downward if you listen to the Lord your God's commands I'm giving you today and you're careful to follow them so So maybe your children are straying from the faith and they're drifting from the Lord and it's ripping your heart out of you. I say to you today, prophesy. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Hold on to this promise and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So maybe the doctor's report was not good. Maybe man doesn't seem to give you much hope. I say to you this morning, prophesy. Psalms chapter 118 and verse 17. The psalmist said, I will not die, but I will live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. You're not dealing with somebody this morning that's foreign to that. I remember what it was like laying in a hospital, being told every day you've got cancer. We've just got to find it before it spreads too far. You're also going to lose your leg because I had a massive blood clot. Going to have to amputate your left leg. But thanks be to God, there was an evangelist that called me and he said, Sean Disney, when I heard about you, I heard the Lord say, you tell Sean Disney, he shall not die, but he shall live and declare the works of the Lord. Thirteen years later, after laying in that hospital bed, multiple days after day after day, saying, I will not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. Thirteen years later, I'm standing in the pulpit telling you today, when you speak the word of God, by the Spirit of God, life-giving power is released. So there is a very real virus, which has almost instantaneously changed life as we know it. Would you agree? Angie and I were talking about that yesterday on our drive. I mean, across the globe, almost instantaneously changed life as we know it. And it seems that fear is crippling society, but it's also crippling the church. You know what I say to that this morning? Prophesy. Psalms 91, 1 through 4. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap. And He will protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Prophesy. So it seems like the world has gone crazy done lost their minds I can't even hardly bear to watch the news anymore is anybody with me people are just losing 
their minds crazy. Does anybody else agree? Oh, I started to say something, but I'll skip over that. My wife said, yeah, do it. Skip over it. Seems like while the world's losing their mind and they're going crazy, and it's getting worse every day, it seems like the church is lying dormant and lifeless. Acting like we can't say anything. We can't do anything. Everything's got to be politically correct. Well, it can't be biblically correct and politically correct at the same time. Hello, somebody. Well, I got three or four of you that support me. Thank you. But while the church is lying dormant and lifeless, feeling like we're defeated, if we say anything, it gets twisted. How many knows that's the truth? If you say anything, it gets twisted. While we're feeling that way, you know what I say to that? Prophesy. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He said, I say to you, you're Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And not even the gates of hell shall prevail against it. Some of y'all need to stop singing gloom and doom and despair despair and agony on me off a hee-haw. And you need to start singing victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. You need to start singing in the old rugged cross. You need to start singing I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. One of these days I'm going to lay my armor down, take up my robe and crown. See, you may not got a glimpse yet of what this life is all about but it's not about everything we make it about around us it's not about where we're at it's all about where we're going and one of these days the devil's going to get another black eye just like he did on day three when Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb before this world gets too bad you're going to hear a trumpet and you better be ready when you hear that trumpet you're going to see a sign you're going to see the eastern skies begin to split open at the seams then you're going to see all of God's children begin to lift off and lose their gravity from earth and I don't know about you but I'm going somewhere that the devil's not going I'm going somewhere sickness and disease ain't going I'm going somewhere heartache ain't going I'm going somewhere financial hardship ain't going I'm going Hallelujah. And you better be ready. He said prophesy to these bones. He must prophesy and he must pray and he did so. And the dead bones were made to live in an answer to that prayer. The spirit of life entered into them. So do you see this morning the ability that is produced, the results that are produced by the word of God with the spirit of God and prayer. I tell you, it will bring dead things back to life. I said it will bring dead things back to life. It will bring dead souls to life. See, I believe God's looking for some people this morning. I believe God's looking for a church today that will prophesy 
upon the dry bones that are lying all around us. That'll say to them, live, like they said in the song. Live. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Live. And we'll begin to speak life into them, calling life into them again and again. He said, oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. But I want to tell you something. If we call in vain, they'll still be dead. If we call in vain, they'll still be dry. we got to be earnest with God, church, in prayer for the Spirit to do the work with the Word. Come, O breath, He said, and breathe upon them. If you don't heard anything else I've said this morning, hear this. God's grace can save souls without our preaching. But our preaching can never save the first soul without God's grace. And that is why grace must be sought by prayer. And that is why it is so important that we faithfully and diligently as a church practice grace. Listen to me. Even with those, sometimes that it seems there's little probability of us gaining ground with. You know what I'm talking about. We need to practice grace. You know, sometimes when you've seen something be dead and dry so long and look hopeless so long, it seems like prophesying upon those dry bones is just as useless as throwing water on a dry stick. But yet, whether they hear and whether they heed, we got to discharge our trust to the Lord But we must not stop prophesying as we're commanded. Don't stop speaking life into them. Even though it might look dead. It might look hopeless. But in the name of Him who raises the dead. In the name of Him who is the fountain of life. You keep looking at that dead situation. You keep looking at that dead person who's dead in sin to the world. You keep looking at them and you keep speaking life. You keep saying dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. You're going to live. You're going to live. You will live again. Speak it over your children. Speak it over your spouse. Speak it over your boss on your job. But whatever you do, don't stop speaking life because there's power in the Word of God accompanied by the Spirit of God. And so this morning, I want you to notice that when Ezekiel looked down and prophesied on the bones in the valley, they became human bodies. And what he had to say to them was that God would infallibly raise them to life. He says, this is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. Listen, and he that speaks the word will do the work. I said, he that speaks the word will do the work. The Lord who so fearfully and wonderfully made us, you know, Job chapter 10 and verse 11 tells us that he clothed us with skin and flesh. And he wove us together with bones and tendons. So he who has so fearfully and wonderfully made us, though we've become dead, dry, and scattered, in like manner we can be made new by Spirit. Now secondly, what was immediately done for them was that they were molded into new shape. As Ezekiel prophesied in this vision, there was a noise. 
there was a rattle, if you will, of the command that they sang about this morning. That was a rattle from heaven that was seconding what the, what the prophet had said. And this signified the motion that the angels were to be deployed as the ministers of divine providence in the deliverance of the Jews. Because remember, this vision was a picture of Israel and the Jews. And behold, a shaking. Say shaking. Or a commotion among the bones. Even dead and dry bones begin to move when they are called to hear the word of the Lord. Did you hear me? Even dead and dry bones begin to move when they are called to hear the word of the Lord. When there was a noise, there was a shaking. You know what that reminded me of? When David heard the sound going on on the tops of the mulberry trees, the Bible said he bestirred himself and then there was a shaking. When Paul heard the voice of the Lord saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Behold, there was a shaking. The Bible said he trembled and was astonished then I read that in Acts on the day of Pentecost the Bible said that when they had prayed that's important the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost but see that's not all after the shaking the Bible says the bones came together say come together bone to his bone under divine direction And as though there is a man in the multitude of these bones, yet all these bones, those numerous people that had been slain, I want you to think about this. Not one single bone was missing. Hear your pastor this morning. Not one single bone was missing. Every bone, uh, not, not one single bone missed its way. Not one single bone missed its place. But as if it were by instinct, Every single bone knew how to find its fellow. The scattered bones came together and the divine power supplying that to these dry bones in the living body. Every joint of every bone supplies. Those dry bones that were scattered came together. The, the, the four, whatever this, I'm not medical, whatever this bone is to this bone come together at the elbow. They didn't, nobody had to show it what to do. Nobody had to put it back together. They found their fellow member and they locked together at the joints. What are you saying? I'm saying so it is with the body of Christ. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read it very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we're all the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would we hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. Now watch this. How strange would a body be if it had only one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't never say to the feet, I don't need you. Watch this. In fact, some of the parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. If you've ever felt like you were the weakest and the least important member of the body, you might just be the most necessary. 
And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Every part is important. Every part. And can I tell you this morning that it's time for the church. And I'm not just talking about Freedom Point. I'm talking about the body of Christ to no longer be scattered but to come together as one body and experience the manifestation of life through the Spirit of God. It's time for the church to come together and come alive. I want to tell you what I told the 845 service this morning. I am over the competition. I am over uh, the division. I am over uh, all of the different things that go on in the body of Christ. I don't need to compete with anybody. Nobody needs to compete with me. This is not a competition. It's a coalition. And when we heed the Word of God, and when we lock joints one-on-one, bone-to-bone with each other, when we come together, when the church comes together, then the church will come alive. And when you let the church come alive, the church will begin to speak to the addiction in the area and dead things will come to life. The church will begin to speak to the lost in the area and dead things will come to life. The church will begin to speak to marriages that are being destroyed, homes that are being divided. And when you do under the power of God, dead things will come to life. So come to the music this morning. Or this afternoon, I should say. Every bone to his bone. By the same wisdom and the power by which the bones were first formed in the womb. This is also a picture of the return of the Jews. Those that were scattered in several parts of the province of Babylon. They came back to their respective families. See... When the church comes together, the prodigals come home. When the church comes together, the prodigals come home. Do you have a prodigal in your house or your family? Are you praying for a prodigal? If so, I say to you this morning by the word of the Lord, come together. With your faith family. Come together with this body. Bone to bone. And prophesy to that prodigal. And say live. Live. By the word of the Lord. And when you begin to prophesy to that prodigal. We'll prophesy with you. Live. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. Live by the word of the Lord. When the church comes together. And comes alive. We can speak life into dead situations. 
I want you to notice something about this, and I'm going to close. The Bible said tendons and flesh came upon these bones, and the skin covered them. But notice what it still said. It said, but there was no breath in them. See, the reality of the picture of the Jews was they needed spirit and courage for such a difficult task and a hazardous task as it was going to be to return to their own land. But there was no breath in them. There was no life in them. It's also a picture of the church. It's going to take tremendous courage and spirit to do the work that we need to do. But a lot of times, there's no breath. There's no life in us. They were still dead. They were put back together, but still dead. The skin and the flesh had covered them, but still dead. They didn't stink anymore. They actually smelled good, but still dead. Looking good, huh, but still dead. And so it is sometimes with the church. Going to church, but still dead. Maybe even singing on the praise team or in the choir if we're ever allowed to have one again. But still dead. Even paying your tithes. But still dead. Let me say it like this. Principled, but dead. Knowledgeable, but dead. Biblical, but dead. Can I tell you, this morning I like the way one of the elders put it when I was growing up they said even the word of God without the spirit is a dead letter even the word of God without the spirit is a dead letter now listen I don't want to offend anybody this morning but I got to say something the devil's not afraid of dead bones did you hear me I said the devil's not afraid of dead bones he don't care how many scriptures you can quote. He don't care how many programs we have. He doesn't care that we get all dressed up and cleaned up and we look good and we smell good. He doesn't care how often you go to church. He doesn't care if you pay your tithes. He doesn't care how awesome our new facility is going to be. None of that bothers him because at the end of the day, dead is still dead. You can have the biggest church in town or the richest church in town and still be dead. You can try to run to a better church, but in your heart, you're still dead. You can have the best praise and worship in the community and still be dead. You can have the most well-versed preacher in the country, but still be dead. You can have all the doctrines of the church memorized and still be dead. If all we have is principles, we're dead if I teach on the gifts of the spirit for six weeks but we never have a manifestation of the gifts we're dead if I preach and teach on divine healing for six weeks and we get all excited about the promises but nobody gets healed we're dead if I preach and teach about the Holy Ghost and his power and his ministry and no one gets baptized Nobody gets refilled. Nobody gets on fire. We're dead. But can I tell you this morning, where the Spirit of God is present, there will be a manifestation of life. Let me say that again. Where the Spirit of God is present, there will be a manifestation of life. Where the Spirit of God is present, 
dead things will begin to live again. You might say, Pastor, I don't understand all that. You don't have to be like that. That's just emotional. You don't listen. You don't have to be that way. If you don't want to be that way, that's all right. But don't judge me because I am. Because I'm way up to here with dead. I ain't got time for dead. This isn't a social club. This isn't a weekend gig for me. This isn't something that I just do because I like it. It's something I do because I want the power of God. I need the power of God. And I want to reach down and snatch every soul out of hell's flames that I can. But we cannot do it if we're dead. Stand to your feet all over the building. Begin to play that. Listen. Where the Spirit of God is present, there's a manifestation. The Bible said Ezekiel looked and he prophesied. And when he prophesied to him, the Bible said the Spirit, the breath, immediately came in to them. Those dry, desolate, scattered bones, I feel the Lord this morning, began to come together. And they began to come alive. And when they did, those scattered bones, you hear me, those dry, scattered, dead bones, what everybody else looked at and said was useless. What everybody else looked at and said was hopeless. What everybody else looked at and said wasn't going to amount to anything. When the devil looked at Freedom Point and said it'll never go anywhere, I don't give it six months. When, uh, when the devil looks at Freedom Point now, says they're doing good, they're building a new building. But how many people are they getting saved? How many people's got the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the last year? When the devil says count them out, they're dead. I want to tell you something this morning. When you begin to speak life by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, dead things come alive. The Bible said that those dry, desolate, scattered bones came together and they came alive. And when they did, they stood on their feet an exceeding great army. Listen, not only were they living men, but now they were effective men. They were fit men to fight the war. And they were formidable to all those that gave them opposition. They were fearful. I tell you, with God, nothing is impossible. He can, if He can out of stones raise up children of God unto Abraham, then out of dead dry bones and what most people see is useless, He can levy a great mighty army that is formidable to hell and all of its forces that's ready to lock joint together arm in arm, barn, bone in bone and fight the good fight of faith and win every single battle. Now, i got to say this. We're closing. I told you this was a picture of the children of Israel and their bondage. This was all 12 tribes coming back together, bone upon bone. Putting breath by God's Spirit into these bones showed that God would not only restore them physically, but also spiritually. And I believe that God is breathing in this house today. I said, I believe that God, oh, I feel the Lord. Some of y'all need to pray right now. There's some people in this house that need to feel the breath of God. I said, I believe that God is breathing in this house today. Some of you that are watching online, oh, hallelujah. Oh, some of you need to feel God breathing.
breathing through the airways today. Some of you need to begin to feel that breath because when God, if you need something physical or if you need spiritual restoration today, maybe you need both. I came to tell you, you're in the right place. I feel like prophesying this morning to some dead, dry, scattered, desolate bones. And here's what I say. Come together and come alive. Come together and come alive. Hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones, you're going to live again. I said, you're going to live again. Dry bones, you're going to live again. Listen to me this morning. Some of you, some of you have some dry, desolate situations. And you have been struggling with looking at what they look like. And they look dead. They look dry. It looks hopeless. And it looks helpless. But here's what you need to do. In just a few moments, we're going to open this altar. Yes, we're going to open it. We opened it this morning. Wear a mask up here if you want to. Probably need to, but we're going to open it. And I want to tell you today, if you need something physical from the Lord, if you need something spiritual from the Lord, if you'll mean business with God, and if you'll remind the devil what this song says that we're about to sing, I want to promise you, you're going to feel God breathe some breath of life back into you. What are you saying? You need to remind the enemy this morning. And here's what you need to remind.